0: Hey, everybody, check, 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 one, two, one, two, good, all right, we recording. All right. Hey guys, we are super excited, we have just launched our brand new Patreon page, patreon.com slash ncbeerpride, three easy ways to join to become part of our team, $3 one, buy us a half pour beer, a $5 one, buy us a full beer, and a $20 one, buy us a four pack of beer. This way you can help directly support what we're doing and helping promote the North Carolina craft beer scene. We're super excited to have you guys be part of our team, join us, and directly help us so we can continue to spread the word about North Carolina craft beer. Once again, patreon.com slash ncbeerpride. We'll also have this linked in our Instagram. The link will be right in our bio. You can click on it, go right from there. Appreciate you all being a part of our team. Cheers, y'all. Hey everybody, let me tell you about today's sponsor for our episode, The Brewer's Kettle. has locations in High Point, Clemens, Wilmington, Kernersville, and Lexington. This is the premier bottle shop in those towns and those cities. They are the place that not only that we record at for most of our podcasts, but it's the place that I shop at when I'm looking for something special, whether it be wine, whether it be North Carolina beer, or cigars from all over the world. They are the go-to shop. They are the place that we frequent the most. And heck, even David's been on one of our podcast episodes. So if you haven't listened to that, go ahead and check that out. And if you find yourself in one of these areas, swing on by. The staff and the owners are some of the nicest people you'll meet, and they will help you out with all your wine, cigar, and beer needs. Take it from us. We know we've been doing this for quite a while and couldn't be prouder to have them as one of our sponsors. So thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Cheers, y'all. So kind of shifting gears with, with, with kind of that. So you're talking about, hey, where you grew up and everything like that. So obviously you grew up, your father worked for Miller Coors, kind of shaped where you wanted to be. You have an engineering background you got with, mm-hmm. but you also spent some time in the military. Yeah. So was talk talk a little about that and, you know, right. how it, where you traveled, you know, because of the military, what you got to experience beer-wise. Because oh, of that, yeah, like yeah, you yeah. said, you spent some time in Germany. You're yeah. also the first person, you know, first person to hit a couple different places. So kind of uh, start... Yeah. You know, okay. Was uh, high
1: school. Yeah. So you know, kind of
0: where, where your military career kind of took yeah, you in the so beer world.
1: Coming from I, I had an excellent upbringing, straight up middle class. You know, no frills, no no crazy advantage over other people. Straight up middle class, uh, which I guess you could look at as being an advantage over other people. But it was kind of understood via my dad, I think mostly, but not it wasn't via men or anything like that. But it was like you're going to go to college you're going to get a degree. It'll be most likely in science or engineering, which it ended up being engineering because I was good in math and sciences. I'm, I warm to, I am still a science nerd and that's part of my life actually. And so, um, I went to Clarkson university for my undergraduate civil environmental engineering, almost dropped out because I, I, lost interest in the core part of engineering and if anyone's listening here they probably concur with me your, uh, especially your sophomore and junior year in engineering is really the, the hard core part and then once you get into that junior senior era then you start getting into your, your uh, discipline and I was in environmental engineering and uh, specifically um, hazardous waste management and remediation <laughs> okay Which is kind of interesting and kind of a mouthful as well. But I wanted to originally get into um, green fields or excuse me, uh, brown fields, which actually were brand new kind of then. But I wanted to get into um, Superfund site cleanup and kind of like help the world, those kind of things. So it's really what I wanted to do. And I was ready to go to grad school. It went everyone everywhere from uh, Duke, UNC, Virginia Tech, Syracuse. Um, the closest, actually, uh, I got accepted everywhere, but the closest I came was going to be uh, San, uh, San Jose State uh, for the environmental chemistry program. And I, my plan originally was uh, go there for a year because I knew I was going to rock it. Yes, yeah, you got to be, I guess, a little bit uh, arrogant. I knew I was going to rock it and then transfer to Berkeley and get my either chemistry, master of chemistry, or engineering there. Uh, because that's one of the top schools in the country, especially for that discipline. Actually, for almost any hard science or engineering, Berkeley is a cow. You know, it's really, really, really amazing. Uh, but I didn't get the scholarships um, that I wanted, or uh, R-A-T-A. Um, they, were, they were minimal and I always, for my entire life, always wanted to be in the military. Mm-hmm. Originally, as a kid growing up, I wanted to be an F-14 pilot. And this has nothing to do with Top Gun. <laughs> um, even just as a, Yeah, even as a kid, I thought that was a, a really fake movie. Um, but uh, You're going to love then, the remake then. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then, just wait, if you're an F-16 fan, you see Iron Eagle. Yeah. <laughs> so, you want to talk about Dreadful. And so... Um, and I was always wanted to do military service. And I'm one of those people, eh, right, wrong, or different. I, I think every American, and I know this is chauvinistic, hate on me if you want, but every man as well, because we're expendable, women aren't. Because um, only, it only takes one man to you know, perpetuate society. And so, um, but to do civil service, and it doesn't mean military service. You could nurse, firefight, police, military, whatever. And I'm a, still a, a believer in that. Um, you know, all Americans should do civil service, some variety, at least for a year or two. You know, could be even Peace Corps, like whatever. Yeah. Um, and so I must have been on a database or something because within a few days, I got emails or and phone calls. <laughs> yeah, we didn't. We had email back then <laughs> You'd have to dial up and it, and it, Yeah dial up And it would have been um, Army, Navy, Air Force, and Marines All were calling me up And Army had the best deal And I was like you know what I've always had this in my brain And my oldest brother Brian uh, Love you Brian uh, And he was in the Navy Persian Gulf uh, and Actually he launched uh, Tomahawk missiles he, he had a really cool job uh, from a badass standpoint. Uh, he was a gunner's mate on the uh, CG-53 USS Mobile Bay. And uh, he was a gunner's mate on that. And his ship, I think, launched about 50 Tomahawks Tom Hawk. when they were brand new and sexy in uh This would be, what, January or February 1991, if my memory is uh, correct. I think February 1991. And uh, he personally launched, I think, eight and most are strategic targets, and uh, one was a uh, uh, Saddam's palace. One of them, because he remember he had like ten palaces. Yeah. But anyway, so that was always in the back of my brain. But when he went to the Gulf, that kind of went on the back burner for obvious reasons. Yeah. Because um, he's four years older than me, so when he was in the, he was in the Gulf, I was like a, a sophomore in, in high school. But then after college, I was like, you know what? This is a great avenue for me. I think. Get your college paid for? Uh, yeah, kind of. I had some student loan repayment program, but not. It wasn't 100 percent or anything like that. And I did well academically, so I got scholarships and stuff like that. But still, I mean, getting 20 grand paid off. 20 grand, which, is 20 grand. <laughs> right in the mid 90s, 20 grand's a lot. Hey, even in
0: 2020, it's a lot. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'll take uh, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Ding hey. booyah! And so, anyways, yeah. So I joined the military, army, in uh. Technically, I joined uh, the end of 1996, but in truth, I joined, uh, I raised my hand in, uh, well, February 6, uh, 1997, so I was a delayed entry by uh, a few months, uh, and luckily, I, I aced all the exams, like the ASVAB, I-99, so, yeah, nope. I, I the ASVAB, you can't get 100, by the way. <laughs> But my GT score was really high, and they kind of gave me carte blanche <sighs> in reason, within reason. Um, and so I was like, "I, you're sending me to Germany. <laughs> that was one of the things. I was like, yep. And they're like, okay, not a problem. The closest we can get, we're sending you to Europe. The extreme minority would go to Italy, and more, less than that would be... Um, for Army would be Belgium, shaved Belgium, where NATO headquarters is or was. I don't know if it's still there, shaved Belgium. Anyways, uh, so I was like, okay, good, I'm going to Europe. And I was able to choose the Chemical Corps, which sounded cool and sexy at the time. <laughs> uh, and actually, in hindsight, I did have a badass job, but it, I didn't you know, fully coming from the environmental engineering thing, I thought this is gonna be a good segue. Yep. And it still is, even with hindsight, but it was um, chemical warfare defense. <laughs> so, which is k- kind of harrowing to um, you know, uh, to the blind, I guess. But, you know, deal with the nastiest of the nasty, which actually I was planned on doing as a civilian to work on superfund sites. That's kind of what was my goal. And I thought that was kind of my way. I don't know. It was kind of a cool thing. And didn't understand what MOP4 is. And MOP4 is a military-productive posture. So when you see people in the full suits and going and doing you know, army stuff. <laughs> but luckily, I went to my unit, which is a full chemical company in Germany, central Germany, in the central state of Hesse. The town was Budigen, small town. Armstrong Kossern, the Kossern uh, word is kind of like barracks, and even though I lived there for under three years, uh, the greatest town I've ever lived in my life. Hmm. It was amazing, Budigen, Germany, it's so beautiful, it's amazing. And the Kossern where I lived doesn't exist anymore. Uh, we were such a small part of the greater COG that would have been 1st Armored Division, so that was my patch. No, the triangle first armor division. Yep. And um, we were at 69th chemical company, and I was in recon platoon, and we only had uh, we had six foxes, and the fox would be a picture a completely sealed uh, to the environment mobile mass spectrometer. So we were, but we we're amphibious too, so we could go swimming if we wanted. I only did that once. To be honest with you, but a six by six vehicle, German made. It was Tyson Henschel, Mercedes engine. We had German mechanics. This is actually a spoiled rotten Brad I was when I was in the Army. <laughs> is We had German mechanics. So we could like change a tire, we could change the oil. But if anything hit what we would call, that'd uh, be first echelon. If it hit second echelon or, lar- or higher than that, we had German mechanics that by design were part of their contractors yeah. that worked on it. So, and a cool thing because we had the mass spectrometer in the back of the vehicle. Um, if we were in the field, we had to have air conditioning. We had to have uh, heat. Oh, nice! <laughs> so in the winter yeah. or the summer, we were, were good ch- to go. Oh my God, yeah. we were just chilling out, and we had a, actually an ample space. And a lot of times we would compare it to the um, Injust, in- mind you, but we would compare it to the um, the movie Stripes, that little uh, RV that they have. <laughs> and it wasn't that, but I mean, pictures. You know, six wheeled, uh, it's nine feet wide, twenty tons. Um, and we, but we, I was pleasure awesome. craft. Oh my god, it was awesome. <laughs> but most of the time, I was the driver. So rare, rare. I would have been camo guy in the back, or ma- uh, mass spec guy, MM one, we called it mass spec guy, in the back. And so that would be rare. So I was one of the better drivers. So I was platoon sergeant's driver. Uh, and for a short while the uh, uh, platoon leader should be the officer and um, gosh what a, a fun time you want to talk about uh, if you think going off-roading in your 4x4 is cool like being in this 6x6 vehicle yeah. where the tires are as tall as you And like, awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah dude it was <laughs> amazing it was so cool but the the cool thing is uh, we so when I got there Bosnia was winding down it's kind of correlating, I guess, with your original question, which I kind of uh, uh, went off on for a bit. It's okay, so, we'll edit it. Yeah, and <laughs> so um, when I arrived in Germany, Bosnia was kind of winding down. Ba- Bosnia Herzegovina. So former Yugoslavia, the whole Civil War stuff. And so that was winding down. Uh, and then when I was full-blown in-country, that's where uh, Albania-Kosovo was going on. And so that was a major, th- you know, Montenegro, that whole that whole area, Hungary, a little bit of Hungary. Uh, but Bosnia, uh, or excuse me, um, Kosovo and Albania, those are being prime time. And we had uh, uh, environmental missions, but we were looking for former Soviet bloc chemical weapons. That's yep. essentially where our job was. So luckily, I didn't have to do that. <laughs> and also luckily i had uh, how maybe one of the best girlfriends i've ever had in my life you know everyone like you're married right so yep. you, you're you, uh, you have currently the, the best greatest girlfriend. girl you've ever yes. you know, married <laughs> but you know if you're single like me you always have those like back things you know it's like uh, everyone's judged by each other uh, don't worry they do that to us too and but probably the best girl i've ever dated was when I was in Germany, and uh, it was close to two years, and we would tra- when we would travel Europe, because we were in the central state of Hesse, which is outside Frankfurt. If you there's 16 states in Germany, and uh, like we have 50 here in the U.S. Uh, Stadt, I would say, and so um, so centrally located, so within a six hour drive, it'd be like Berlin, Czech border. Almost Switzerland, you know. um, Or, excuse me, uh, Austria, Switzerland, definitely in France, but closer Mm. to even to Paris. Mm. We're definitely in Luxembourg, uh, Netherlands, Denmark, you know. So it was really cool living there. And so her and I, because we were in relative peacetime, and she was a, a, you know, she was a soldier as well. And um, we would get a car, and we would just like travel and the way we traveled because i was a beer nerd always was um castles breweries and art galleries nice or museums yeah which is the way to travel <laughs> yeah no matter where the heck you're going
0: <laughs> it's all history <laughs> though but it's all history yeah yeah but it Especially was so over cool.
1: there yeah and you know i uh, i took four years of french in high school so i can get by in french um and then uh, I lived in Germany, so I, I can I can get by in yeah. German. But, you know, just make the attempt. Like, I never had a rude European, because her and I would make the subtle attempt to speak the language, and we they would correct us in fluent English, usually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we never got the rude thing. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. Uh, and, this, man, we had such a, oh, God, such a great time. And traveling in Europe when you're living there and visiting breweries that some of them are, you know, 800 years old, 500 years old, 200 years that's really cool. Yep. Like, I'm in the same beer garden that if George Washington was alive, would have been in. and Yeah, he, he could have. Been. So, so
0: expound on that a little bit. So, yeah. you were, you told me kind of in one of the conversations we had, you know, I don't know how long ago. But you said you were the first, not only American, but the first person yeah. to hit, what, all seven at the time? Oh, like the Trappist, the Monk Trappist monks. The Trappist monks.
1: Right. Drink. Yeah, and there's a bunch of them now. Right. Yeah, and but at the time. Yeah, yeah. You are, you are correct. So there was a, and still is, a bunch that, you know, there's Trappist monasteries around the world. That, you know, some of them make preserves, <laughs> you know, Yeah. Uh and very few make beer. And at the time, they were all in, at least the ones that make beer, were all in Belgium and one in the Netherlands. And long story short, uh, they were a uh, strict order of Sisterian monks that fled persecution in France, if you're a historian listening this. And then they, they finally settled in Belgium, mostly, mm-hmm. and then one went into uh, Netherlands, La Troppe, but it's right over the border. It's yep. not like a big deal. And uh, now, that, I mean, there's one in Switzerland, there's one in the U.S., there's one in England. I mean, there's, you know, there's actually a ton of Trappist Monasteries. Whether or not they're making beer, that's a different story. But at the time, so this would be 1998, I was, uh, in fact, this is what I was bragging about earlier, the uh, girl I was dating at the time, Erica, she wasn't with me because she had guard duty, I think. And it was my birthday. And I ditched her. She was not pleased about that at all. <laughs> <laughs> so I did a solo trip to Belgium, kind of like a beer run. And I think I borrowed my buddy Bill's car, uh, 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 that or I rented one. Where the wherever the hell it was. But so I'm in uh, Vesmala, which is kind of the founding father of uh, the triple style. Or okay. Tripel. Right? Yeah. Yep. And. I thought I was like king shit on Turd Mountain, so to speak. Because <laughs> I go there and, and it's in English. I, I did my... Because um, that area is uh, Flanders as opposed to Wallonia. So they, do, they, they speak bastardized Dutch as opposed to bastardized French. But it doesn't matter. They speak English just as well as we do. And so I was essentially... Of course, I struggled in uh, French first. And then he went English, <laughs> and then okay, I can speak English now. And I essentially said, I was like, oh my god, this is—I've been to all the trappist Like I've been to Orval, been to uh, Rochefort. In fact, in another story, I got uh, my girlfriend got kicked out of Rochefort because uh, women aren't allowed. Interesting. <laughs> and picture this: hot, blonde, voluptuous, tank top, summer yeah and we walk and in, and they're they're like Whoa. Whoa. yeah they're, <laughs> they're like time out yeah yeah it's, <laughs> you're not it's, gonna cause yeah, us a sin <laughs> right yeah it's a true story cause like, a guy <laughs> in a habit and a guy in a suit came out simultaneously and they're like hello may we help you <laughs> and this is at Rochefort which is uh, de Saint Remy, if my memory is correct and this would be I think that's in Wallonia which is French speaking and uh I was like yeah we're from America I'm from New York she's from Chicago uh yeah, we just want to drink your beer. It. In yeah. fact, I see, like I can see the copper. Like yeah. I, I see it through these windows. We're like, no one sees the beer. You can come in if you want to see our chapel and if you, you can pray if you wish. Uh, she has to leave now. <laughs> I turn wow. over and look at her. It was one of those things of, I'll see you later. Yeah. And she gives me this. Meet me at the car in 20 hilarious minutes. Hilarious <laughs> mopey face. It was, <laughs> oh my God, I'll never forget it. It was great. So she goes back to the car. I go in, and then I go into like this nondescript church. I mean, it's a monastery, so it's no frills, right? And I, at, I'm dating myself. This is pre-Euro, and uh, so I put in some Belgian franc, you know, like a few dollars, whatever the hell it was, and yeah, I'm like. Kind of like European vacation. Okay, yeah. this is it, kids. This is cool. <laughs> right, yeah. And I go back, and I remember I see Erica. I was like, oh, my God, you're not going to believe this. And she's like, oh, what? Yeah, you know, she's all anti spam I'm like, nah, that's pretty nothing. I think she hit me in the arm over that one. Anyways, <laughs> so well that would be my Rochefort story. So at this time, I'm solo, though. And I'm at uh, Vesmala. And I'm there, and I talked to the guy, and I was like, this is, I've been to all six, I think it was at the time. And because I'd been to Vesvertelen, uh, La Trappe, uh, Orval, Rochefort. Uh, is there another one? I'm trying to. Uh, sorry if my memory's off. But anyway, he's like, Well, have you heard of the new one that opened up? Like, just recently. I was like, What? So I go to my car and I get my map out. Because we didn't have. There's phones. no Google Maps. <laughs> yeah, there's no, <laughs> no phones back there, ladies and gentlemen. So I get my map out. And I was like, Where is it? And the town is called Achel. Uh, sorry if my guttural is off. Well, it's A-C-H-L. Uh, or A, yeah, C-H-E-L. Achel. And so I'll go there, and I remember it was a, so no frills. And it was, it had the um, old, like how you would stereotype a uh, uh, cafeteria. Like you'd have a tray. Yeah, and you just slide it <laughs> go on on around. Slide yeah, slide it around. And <laughs> be like, I'll take some bread, and I'll take... Like, stew. I think I would stew and bread. Yeah, that's why, I had. And then I'll be like, because remember, I had to drive home. You know, I had to drive back to Germany. I mean, I had, to, like, a four-hour drive. And I was going to hit, there was a castle I was going to hit. Well, that never occurred, you because know, I was like, right, I got to go hit this new monastery. New monastery. And they had been around for over 100 years. Yeah, They'd been brewing for a long time, but they hadn't been selling it to the public, you know. Just remember how it works for uh, charity and all that stuff. And so, yeah, so I go there, and the guy was. I I do my damnedest to speak Dutch. (laughs) I know Donkerville and Osjeblieft, and Sprechtu Engels is do you speak English? And so he's like, Are you an American? You're not British. And I was like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, Wow, you're the. First American, he's like, I think there was a Canadian here about a week ago. Because they'd only been open like for a few weeks. Yeah. He's like, I think there was a Canadian here. Uh but he was just hitchhiking, you know, doing youth hostels and stuff. He just happened to stop in. He's like, You're the first American ever to be here. I was like, oh, whoa. <laughs> dude. <laughs> and so my my beer boner. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, oh my god, this is so cool. So yeah, and I only had like maybe a beer or two. That's not the point. This is amazing. So I drive home. I skip whatever castle I was going to go to, uh, wherever the hell that was. And I go back. My girlfriend's there. I was like, oh, my God, you're not going to believe. Blah, blah, blah. Like I'm ranting and raving in a great way. Yep. And she's like, whatever. Yeah, she's like, <laughs> nerd, whatever yeah. nerd. Yeah, she's like, whatever. So All About Beer Magazine existed. And it was the only beer magazine that we got at the PX uh, which, you know, in the, as being in the service. And so I wrote them like a letter to the editor. And I sent them like, oh my gosh, eight damn legal, like legal pad pages. I don't know if people listening to us know what legal pads are. But <laughs> I wrote a lot of pages. of, And I was the reviews of all the, the monasteries. Yeah. Like, all right, don't bring women to Rochefort. <laughs> like, they won't let them in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And stuff like that. And Orval is probably the best one. It's really amazing. The great cheese. Yeah. Best model too. You can get great cheese there. And that's it. You know, I, I wrote them in, uh, a letter, actually. Email, or not email, but wrote them a letter. Sent it to them. And it was the almost whatever months later. But it was the January 2000 issue so i was still living in uh europe oh so that's my 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 line so this would be summer of uh 99 so i wrote them summer 99 so my birthday is uh june 30th so probably july is when i wrote them and uh the january 2000 issue as the, the front letter to the editor and it was a awesome. seventh trappist and so I was like, "Oh my God!" I'm like, "Honey, you know, it's me, it's me." Yeah, and she's like, "You're a dork." Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, and your wife is probably the same way. You're like, "You are a yeah. total beer nerd." You're an idiot. <laughs> Why yeah. do I care? <laughs> yeah, and obviously that's been—I uh, I don't even look at it as being surpassed or anything like that. But at the time, I know, that was kind of cool. First American to visit all seven,
0: yeah. I mean, that's fantastic. And then you got the uh. prominence, you know, to you know, be hey, look, you know, first person, first, first American there, yeah. You know, and, then and you I, I still letter. have that magazine, it's that, like
1: I gotta dig it out in my that's mind. awesome. The fact that you still
0: have is like just the fact that you can be like, hey, look, you know, here's here's the proof, here's the evidence. You actually had to write, handwrite the stuff, yeah. They only publish it. like
1: a paragraph, yeah, but still, <laughs> yeah, I don't give a but shit. still. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was a yeah, seventh
0: one that you know, like you said, just opened up to the public, you know, like you said, a lot of these. You know, Trappist breweries and stuff like that that made the beers been around seven, eight hundred years and have like honed their craft, perfected it, and then, like you said, just that one you know happened to just recently open it to the public where they can then yeah. sell it. You know, I mean, it's yeah. it's, it's a but fantastic still, thing.
1: Yeah, agreed. Uh, although, like when it comes to beer, uh, my still my best memories are the random little one-offs you could go to uh, just traveling, and but. Man, living in Germany is so different from the U.S. because it's so ingrained in their society. You know, the drinking age there is, uh, well, it depends how you look at it. If you're accompanied or unaccompanied, so if you're with your parents, you can drink as a doesn't little kid. doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but if you're unaccompanied, I think it's 14 or 16, either one of those. So you already have that, um, I hate to say alcohol experience, but... You have a, a like a frame of reference, and at 18 is when you get your driver's license. So you already are experienced with alcohol. Uh, it also is about two thousand dollars and about a year of schooling get your driver's license. Oh wow! So they don't have DUI problems problems like we do here. Yeah. Because, because here you get a license at 16 years old and with a heartbeat and I don't know thirty bucks. <laughs> and you still can't forbidden fruit thing, yeah. you can't drink for another five years, so there's no experience with or appreciation of alcohol that they have. I, I think in Europe, and I, I think I, I swayed away. But some of my best um, beer experiences in Germany are like such the old places where, yep. yeah, yeah, it's at the time was. In 1997, 1998, 1999, 2000. So 20 plus years ago is even still some of the old school like almost rural areas they don't speak English. yeah so you're gonna struggle and you're not gonna get a d- d- double menu or any stupid sh- stuff like that. And I think that's awesome. I think the the struggle of language is the romantic part of traveling. Uh, that doesn't have to be Europe. It could be South America. Yeah. Yeah. You know, or, or, or wherever. Or wherever, yeah. Yeah. Um, wh- wherever. Um, but some of the coolest places where you go and it's a brewery that they only make one beer. And we've been doing this for over 500 years. Yeah. Who are you to tell yeah. us? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we know what we're doing. Yeah. Uh, like, for example, Uflaku, uh, which is probably the best brew pub. And that's in Prague, in Czech Republic. And I don't speak any Czech. I know "ahoy" is cheers, and Pivo is beer. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, That's all I know in Czech. But I was there for a day, and you go to Uflaku, there's one beer there. And it's a dark lager. I'd maybe say like a a Vienna. Nice. Might be classically what I, like, kind of red oak-ish. Very malt forward. Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Um, but still dry. So malt forward, but still dry. So you could pound them, and like four and a half, five percent alcohol, and it's one beer they make. That's it. They've been doing it for six hundred years.
0: So they kind of know what they're doing. Yeah. Hey, how are you? The (laughs) Murray.
1: The Murray. (laughs) So so with
0: all that being said, obviously you've traveled. Just an Aussie. Aussie (laughs)
1: came by to say hello.
0: (laughs) So so with all that being said, you've you've traveled the world. You've tasted beers. Everywhere, just about everywhere. You know, places that have been doing one beer for, you know, centuries. You know, places that have multiple beers and stuff like that. So, as a brewer, with all that knowledge and that experience, is there a favorite beer you like to brew, or what would be your favorite, either beer or style, that you're like, man, if I had no limitations, I would brew this right now.
1: Okay, you no, know, it's kind of a loaded question. It, no, yeah, 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 totally gotcha. Uh, and I think. This might be the pat yourself on the back. Go for it. Because I think part of this is... Because you, you have to... If, if you don't drink the beer that you make, then you're doing something really wrong.
0: Well, it's like a chef that won't eat his own
1: food. <laughs> right. Right? <laughs> if the chef's not eating, you probably shouldn't <laughs> right. either. You know. <laughs> and admittedly, for me, my dry hop Keller beer was 100% my go-to. And it was a... Uh, to your viewers here, uh, or listeners, uh, picture a Czech Pilsner toned down to American lager specs. So it was all Pilsner malt, tiny bit of light Munich. It was all Czech sots, hops, but only done to like 12 IBUs Oh wow! or internationally. They just say BUs. Yep. <laughs> it was funny. Uh, Czech, uh, lager yeast, really soft water so if you took that beer and pretty much added another bag of grain and quintupled the hops then we would have a czech pilsner but instead we had a american lager Hmm. essentially and i would take that beer unfiltered and dry hop in keg and uh, whether people do or don't know uh, dry hopping adds not a Tremendous amount of bitterness, whatsoever. No, it's but flavor the and flavor and aroma is massive. Yep, and I would always rotate that hop. Oh. The beer itself, the base beer, because that was a standard Stay that we'd same. always make. Yep, oh, uh, we would always make that, and it was our number one seller because it was, you know, quote unquote, beer, very yeah. beer like beer flavored <laughs> Which, beer. If uh, Dave Chichura is hearing this, I'll never, and he helped run uh, Oscar Blues for a long time, that was one of my Colorado days. And then he ran uh, Melvin, and now he's back in Colorado, and I forget what the hell he is. But anyways, there's a really funny time we're drinking. Gosh, was it Odell? We're up in Fort. Where are we up in Fort Collins? Trying. To, anyways, but we're at a brewery, and he's uh, mm, very beer-like, <laughs> or it's very beery, <laughs> and it's like this great thing of, yeah, we're kind of making fun of ourselves, but at the same time paying homage uh, to. American lager beer. Like yeah. what your grandfather drank. Exactly. And those beers are not easy to make. Because you can't hide behind anything. Nothing to hide behind. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like these old milkshake, sour, over-hopped, you know, strawberry shortcake beers. <laughs> it's really easy to hide behind all this flavor. And when you're making an American lager, of which that was the base beer that I was trying to make, Essentially a toned down Czech pilsner. You, you can't hide behind anything. And yeah. so it, it was technically known as an American lager, all malt. So there wasn't corn or rice or anything like that. Not that I have a problem with either. In, in reality, I mean, does it get more American than using corn? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, 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 I don't That's, think so. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> so, yeah. corn or soy. I yeah, <laughs> the natives told us about it. So. Yeah. Um, and so I don't have a problem with that. But it was what I made. to go back through the conversation, was um, an all-malt American lager uh, and then unfiltered dry hopped. And I'll tell you what, oh, crushable, as they would say.
0: That's awesome.
1: Yeah, untapped, five stars. Yeah, well, there you go. I mean, (laughs) there you go. So so you
0: went from basically kind of chronicling sort of your your, your life story here and everything like that, and this will probably end up being two episodes just because there's a lot to kind of get in there and stuff like that, so you, you go from, I've been
1: rambling for a while. So no, yeah. which
0: is fine. I mean, that's, th- this is kind of <laughs> what we want. We can pull the content we want from it and kind of, you know, get it down into either, you know, a single episode or you just make it into episode one, episode two. Um, so you go from, like I said, sort of chronicling your life. You go from, okay, you know, high school to some college and then you go military, military. You kind of, you know, spread your wings out for the European, the Travis, yeah. beer wise and stuff like that. And then you go at some point and get into academia and teaching. Yeah. So, you know, to, just to kind of give people kind of a, a base background here, you have taught s- a lot of people through the beer and fermentation class that you taught at our Randolph yeah, Community so College, it's right? Been there are a lot of triad brewers that... They're yeah, my oh, progeny. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that that <laughs> oh, you know, what they've learned and the science behind a lot of that stuff to, to you. So you were teaching...
1: At the same time, you were still brewing. Yeah, so I had a full-time brewing job. And then I, um, for only a short period, I was director of the program. Uh, Cindy took that over. But I was uh, an adjunct. And I only taught one, actually, uh, two semesters. I taught two classes for a semester. But for five years, so ten semesters, I taught uh, brewing sciences. So it would be Tuesdays and Thursdays. And it would be uh, technically um, three 50-minute classes. But I was like, screw this. We're doing two and a half hours straight. Everyone good with this? <laughs> we're we good, good? we're Not good. good. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're starting at 6, and we're done at 8.30. There's no yep. going to 9. No. Anyways, so, yeah. Uh, but I did that for five years. And I have to admit, it was really enjoyable. I mean, it, it, I had to create the curriculum from ground up so that was interesting you know to say the least and it always morphed so every semester would be like okay gosh i got don't talk about this don't joke about that (laughs) all right let's change don't do this uh, in your real world job (laughs) i know right don't even joke about that (laughs) and so gosh there's women in our class (laughs) and so um yeah so uh really cool very high reward the reward level from i guess personal gratification might be the best phrase because i could go to breweries here in the triad wise man you know um red oak uh, yeah joy mongers yeah i can go there and then it's like my former students and they're kicking ass i mean they're doing really really well and um i i'd like to you know kind of i don't know what, what do they call it not a so the feather in the cap or whatever the phrase it's like I had a part of that because mind you I was one of many instructors there mm-hmm. so or one of several I shouldn't say many there's several but one of the cool things was because um, I'm a yeah you know, academic I guess kind of nerdy person I love the science behind brewing and um, also one of the, the genesis of starting the program was a lot of craft beer sucks and I'm going to be blunt I mean there's 9,000 breweries in the country and not all of them are good yep. and a lot of times you're going to have um, you know uh, unfortunately someone's grandma dies and all of a sudden I got $250,000 I'll start a brewery <laughs> alright I homebrewed once alright let's <laughs> yeah. go <laughs> yeah I'll just multiply my homebrew by uh, you know 10 alright all that's right. it's like no well, it doesn't work that way yeah and then there's procedures that are, you know, and even to this day, just because it's craft does not mean it's good. Just because it's local does not mean it's good. And people get hung up on that. Uh, and we need to get away from that. I mean, growing zucchini at your local, fu- all right, that's fine. Yeah, great. <laughs> fine. I'm a zucchini expert, but <laughs> if I was a Zucchini aficionado. Maybe I could differentiate. Yeah, local <laughs> but, to... But it's uh, really yeah. not... Yeah, But when you're dealing with a perishable product that is going to be consumed by people in different towns and you know those, those things, um, you, at the very least, have to have a basic understanding of brewing sciences. Um, and it doesn't matter if you're making ales or lagers. That's pretty... The differentiation there is pretty... Uh, very, very small. Uh, your procedures by which you are conducting yourself, uh, procedures by which you're creating beer, those are paramount. And a lot of people might know the um, the what, where, and when, but they don't understand the why and how. And the why and how encompass the other three, and they're m- way more important. Mm. And I want to teach that. And I that was one of those things where there's so many breweries that are opening up and gosh, half of them are dreadful. And, um, yeah, we have what? 190. How many do we have in the US? Over 300 or, in, th- in North Carolina. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Over 300. No. And I guarantee, and I hate to say this, a hundred of them probably aren't that really good, <laughs> you know? And even still, there are 50 that are long-term been around for a long time. And they're, you know, they just have that longevity with them, and then there's yeah, the majority are awesome. Yeah, you know, they're they're doing a good job, or they um, they're good for what you like, because that's really what comes yeah. down to. As wow. long as you like it, and if people don't, ah, yeah, whatever. So take what I say as a grain of salt, <laughs> because if you like your local brewery, uh, then uh, that's all that matters. Yeah, more power to you. And that's all that they care about too know, uh, who cares about untapped things? That's a whole other... Yeah. We could do a whole discussion on untapped. <laughs> um, and rate beer and beer advocate and stuff like that. And if the, the guy or the girl sitting at the end of your bar likes your beer, that's all you should care about, to be honest with you. You could use some of these things as uh, tools to maybe modify you know, procedures or something like that. And if you're submitting to uh, a beer festival, like if you're submitting to Great American Beer Festival, which is a cash cow, <laughs> it's absurd. Um, and winning those are great. No, no crappy beer ever wins. Correct. Right. They are. Top they of the are food the best. Are the best. Yeah. Right. Uh, but are you geared towards finding that beer style, being inside this one little um, allocation of style? That is dictated to you by uh, black and white print, or are you going to do what you want? And Joe and Mary at the end of the bar like it. That is the best. I mean, that's what really drives any anybody. That's what keeps I, your lights on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's what get what the bills paid. That's what pays the bills. Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, like, I've been part of uh, multiple JBF medals, uh, but. As long as you get to the like, the like the next round, <laughs> then you're like, okay, I didn't get weeded out, yeah. And you get your feedback. Oh, okay, yeah, our packaging, so like, uh, we are we're, we're brewpub. Well, we don't package at all. I did this by hand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I went homebrew style making this beer, and it made it to the second or third round. Awesome. Yeah, good deal. <laughs> this is a total win for me. Absolutely. Uh, and as long as you sell out at the brewery, great. Uh, if someone random person has a one star on Untapped because they judge your stout poorly because they only like IPAs and they <laughs> say so in their review, which is always the best. Yeah, that drags your review down, so it makes people maybe sway away from going to your place because I don't know. Hypothetically, you're in Portland and there's a gajillion breweries there, you know, uh, and this is why we, I don't know, we need a digital slapping (laughs) people.
0: (laughs) I don't know how we can do that, but so with your academia background, basically you, you were teaching people how to, to, to know the science behind it, to understand the science behind, not just know it, but understand it. So then when they got into a, Hey, I'm now an assistant brewer or, Hey, I took the lead or head brewer position they understood, and they were they were producing good. Yeah,
1: foods. yeah, and so I would move them in directions if so be it. Like for example, your last podcast, Ken, I think. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right. And I guarantee on my um, one of the onset like original conversations I would have with every class is, look, my job here is not to teach you about how to make the greatest IPA or this is what an English brown ale is like. I'm here to teach you brewing sciences. <laughs> All right, these are the basic tenets by which you create beer. The style itself is to a great extent almost irrelevant. With standard brewing practices, you could really make excellent beer. You could accidentally add a uh, more hops than you thought or less hops than you thought or add an extra bag of grain and uh, maybe it's too dark or too light or something like that. But if you're brewing uh, Acumen is proper, you're going to make excellent beer. Regardless. It'll be drinkable. Yeah. In regards to the, SR,
0: regardless of the SRM's off.
1: Yeah, exactly. Your Yeah, your IBUs are off, your SRM's off, like, whatever. But if you're um, brewing Acumen is proper, you're going to make very drinkable beer. Potentially enjoyable and Hopefully. Profitable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, profitable. That's the name of the game. That's, yeah. where, that's where we're in the business of. Um, and that was one of the things. Like, I, I can teach you a little tricks here and there. And I would do anecdotal stuff. I'd be like, all right. <laughs> you know, I'd sit up on the blacktop and then just wax poetic for 15 minutes, ran about random things or jokes in the brewing industry. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I had one, one former student, she said, I had to write a, uh, a book. Call great, uh, great stories about bad beer, because <laughs> my stories are they they keep going and going and going as the a lot of this will hit the uh, cutting room floor. But um, yeah, uh, and so that wasn't my job. My job is not to teach you the little subtle tiny the things nuances. of how to make. Yeah, I'm like yeah. I am going to teach you brewing science. Here's the building and, blocks. Here yes. are the, the
0: the ground floor right. building blocks. And if you go, if you take these. Your foundation is going to be strong, and you can build whatever house you want on this foundation, and the house isn't going to fall because of the foundation.
1: Right. And I, in fact, I think a better way to put it was um, I'm not teaching you the art of brewing. I'm not teaching the art of brewing whatsoever. I will bring some of that, in fact, a healthy amount, into the program. But I'm teaching you the science of brewing, I'm teaching the engineering basics of brewing. And that is my goal. (laughs) Gotcha. And how you use that, well, that's up to you. That's kind of up to you. The, the, the world is your
0: oyster at that point.
1: Yeah, true. And luckily, with Pat on the back, uh, a lot of that came to fruition. Yeah. And so, uh, a lot of yeah, lot people of really are in good our voters. state. Yeah. But uh, it's, yeah, it's really rewarding. Uh, and also, I was in the uh, MBAA. And we helped found the Carolinas district. So I was founding a technical chair for that. And the MBAA, which is Massive Brew Association of the Americas. And so we founded uh, North South Carolina, so we call it Carolina's district. And we'd have quarterly meetings. And um, again, we, we don't care if you're in a bush or a nano-brewery across the block. That, that's not our goal. Our goal is to teach and promote brewing sciences. Uh, across the board and be mentors educators and we, we we could care less what size brewery you are yeah we, that's not our yeah, we, don't, we don't care about that um, and so hopefully if, if my move works properly I'll be I'll be out of the well, I'll be MBA international but I'll be um, Institute of Brewing and Distilling uh, which is England so hopefully right. hopefully that works out so yeah so that was the other thing I was going to say so
0: you went from teaching academia to now you know if everything works out obviously and everything kind of pans out
1: covid's crazy
0: re-enrolling into another thing to get your master's degree but not here in the states but in england, england.
1: yeah so uh university in nottingham which is in the uh, midlands right in the middle of um england and you can watch uh, I, all
0: the soccer or football as you call it on you know, <laughs> yeah i'm their time and i, I their time yeah <laughs>
1: and it's funny because uh of course, we, we just normally call it soccer. And soccer is actually an English word that Americans use, but then the Brits don't use anymore. But then they make fun of us for using it. And they call it football. In yeah. your kit. Yeah. In yeah. the it's pitch. Funny. And all that fun stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, tentatively, if oh, if everything works out great, I will be And it's going to, to. I'm going to say it now. It's going to work out I know. Out just fine. Mojo. I need mojo. Um, I'll be moving to England here in a couple months and uh, doing my master's. And tentatively be a master of research and I'm going to be doing, if you or your viewers are um, familiar with uh, Kvike, uh, it's a specific group of yeast strains, Uh, Saccharomyces, but uh, closer to Baker's Yeast, but it's an ancient farmhouse style, uh, non-phenolic, but um, it's new and sexy because you can really crank out beers. But the science behind it is really low. So tentatively, I'd be doing research on various varieties and environmental cons- conditions. So it would be uh, pitch rate, aeration, uh, as it compares to temperature fermentation, uh, VDKs, which is uh, essentially diacetyl, um, ester content. But, or Off flavors and all that. Yeah, else, yeah, right it would be all of those. Yeah. And, and what I did, what I just said there in the past sentence... That's a PhD candidacy, um, which, which is I what might, you're going which for. Which I might do. Yeah. Uh, so, because, you're going to, oh, so you're gonna go from master's yeah, to potential be PhD a of research. Gotcha. Because um, right now I'm doing EMRES, but the United States has to open up to, or the UK has to open up to the US. Right. Oh. Which so, is gonna uh, happen. Yeah, it's gonna I, happen. I said yeah. I'm like, I know I will. I I will. So I'm already prepped to contact Ted Bud. Uh, our representative, I'm prepped to uh, contact the UK Embassy in uh, Washington. And I'll, I'll do a two-week quarantine. Yeah, I'll, I mean, I'm going to do it, but it'll be really cool. I'll be in a lab for like 85% of the time doing ultra beard nerdy stupid... Well, a lot of people think is you know, frivolous, yeah. but I, I, I won't be... Um, Making and chugging beer to be like uber nerdy beer stuff, right? But more scientific. Well, as much as I like, I, it's scientific. But but the so.
0: stuff you're doing, you know, in the lab is what inevitably will, will transfer into somebody's beer somewhere. Right? Yeah. So how, how the yeast so cool. strands work, how how they work yeah. with certain grains or how they work with certain hops and, and this and that. I mean, you know, stateside you got White Labs here. You know that does a lot of yeast and they do a lot of the science behind okay this strand for this particular beer this for that and they have all these scientific and oh this is strand number whatever and oh that's great for this and that so essentially you'd be doing that with a you know kbik? kvike kvike sorry
1: yeah but, it depends where you are yeah, in the world but pronounce it so, like... uh, you know a
0: strand that has <laughs> not like you said that doesn't have a and ton of Vien science behind in,
1: it is almost a w kvike so,
0: yeah. So, Perfect. I mean, so you would be doing a lot of the ground floor per se. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, that that's awesome. I mean, and, you know, for someone who loves the science and the technical stuff, I mean, that seems like it's right up your alley. when it kind of be a dream job and right. you don't have to work in, you know, 100 degree brew houses lugging 55, yeah. 55 and pound I, bags of grain yeah. up and down the ladder or whatever, you know. I'm
1: done with that. Yeah. And I always said Kegs this don't me- get any
0: lighter. William <laughs> yeah. Brown, William Brown on our podcast, you know, famously said, he's like, look. Green bags never get lighter and keg- <laughs> kegs never get lighter. They're always they the don't. same weight, regardless. Yeah.
1: And when I started teaching, cause that was going to be my way out of, well, getting out of the brew house, to be honest with you. So I would have been in my late thirties at the time when the program was like starting and whatnot. Cause I just turned 46, June 30th. I'm so old. And so I know that's <laughs> an ancient, ancient, decrepit, broken. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I remember being like that epiphany. like When I'm 50 years old, I'm not lugging kegs around. Screw that. And my dad and mom were like, very good. Todd, yeah, this is he's very... He's finally learned. Yeah, <laughs> very good. And that's one of the reasons why I started teaching. And I did it for five years, but the uh, the original part was at the very least, I'm going to do this for three years because I'm one of those people where uh, if you're going to start, you you got to do something. And then... On your resume, if you have something that's less than three years, with the exception of, I don't know, a small amount of things, it means you really didn't give it a try, you really didn't care, or you could have traveled, you could have you know, school ended. Or, yeah. Yeah. So I'm not making a blanket statement here, but I was here, I was a full-time employee at the brewery, and I thought to myself, I was like, okay, I'm going to start this brewing program from scratch. <laughs> I'm going to do this for at least three years just from a resume building standpoint. Yeah. And I ended up doing it for five, you know, to be honest with you. But then I had to, you know, um my accent and all that, you know, so I had to get yeah. out of uh, get out of things and I kind of got on the expedited program of okay. <laughs> um, you are going to teach. Yeah. <laughs> Which is great. I mean, so it yeah. kind of it
0: kind of sort of came, you know, full circle, you know, something that started off You know as kind of uh oh this is kind of cool i know the science behind it but now it's coming back to hey i'm gonna take this thing really seriously you know apply for a master's and then potentially get back into you know from research to academia again and kind of go from there so i mean to me that's that's awesome and i know to i know a lot of people listen out who listen to us you know our brewers or even just home brewers who love getting into the science behind things right i had a i have a buddy who's like is i don't drink but he was super interested in the Wow, there's a lot of science that kind of goes into oh my gosh, taking four ingredients and turning it into something else. Yeah it's, yeah, it's unbelievable. So, that excites a lot of people. And obviously, that's what you're passionate about. It's what excites you and everything like that. So
1: um, And if I could have even the smallest torch in the greater uh, yeah. marathon that is brewing that's and, been existing. And, and like for, I said, in all know, honesty, you already have the
0: fact that you have taught so many people that have then gone on to be you know great brewers, even in this triad area. It's, I think that's, you know, and a lot of people will tip their, their cap to you. And yeah, Hey, you know, Todd, Todd taught me, Todd taught this person, this person was in this class, this person in this class, like I said, go listen to the podcast. We can, He dropped a bunch of different names. Um, so the one thing that I love to do is always, you know, in ending, you know, each podcast is I always like to ask this one simple question that, you know, we're always asked as kids, but never asked as adults.
1: I like this. Where are we
0: going? What is your favorite dinosaur? Oh, triceratops. Why?
1: I don't know. Okay, <laughs> I don't Perfect. know because they had a badass tail. Yeah, and it had the three horns. Yeah, it would just jack you up. Uh, yeah, Plus, I guess. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, they made a transformer. Yeah, I mean, uh, that was my first thing. Who's right? a transformer? Oh, okay. Uh, transformer would be. Um, I say they,
0: they made a transformer out of Triceratops. You had the whole Dinobots.
1: Oh uh, yeah, correct. We're, we're, Dinobots, was that a different that like, gen 1?
0: Well, like gen 1 or Gen
1: 2, basically. Okay, all right. The, my favorite uh, one would have been the. Um, there's the name for him, and sorry if I forget, you would probably rattle this off. I and don't he know. he <laughs> goes into a cassette player. Oh, yeah. And then the cassettes become the little, little Falcons.
0: Yeah, so that, there was uh, a good guy one and a bad guy one. An Autobot and Decepticon. Uh, it was, and I, I had the figure as a kid. It was, gosh. It was blue. It was blue. It was the Decepticon one. And he had the little flying Yeah, he was bird. The, the good guy. No, yeah, yeah. and then you had the, the little dude with the little things. But the cassettes things.
1: would become Yeah,
0: they become birds. Birds, and then the, even they had the cassette that became the little guy who pounded on the ground. Oh, shit. Uh, he had the little piston arms, and he would cause earthquakes. Okay, and so but that guy. Yeah, he was sound wave. Dude. Soundwave. Good. Sorry. It just Damn, you're came good, be, man. I don't remember what the Autobots one was. It was probably Shockwave. Right. Or, I don't know. It was, your sound, it was Soundwave. And you'd okay. always play. You'd he, send the guys out. They'd re- record and they'd fly back into his chest and then you'd play it back what they were saying. <laughs> Spies everywhere. Man. I mean,
1: the, the concept is actually pretty cool. It's great. Time. But he would have been my favorite uh, Transformer.
0: Hands down. Awesome. Todd, I appreciate it. As always, <laughs> always a pleasure to talk with you. Like I said, if you listen to this podcast and you and the know. brain
1: keeps going on and, on and it keeps going on and on and on. Like, and, on. <laughs> and if we if we had fourteen I can hours, ramble and ramble and ramble. If we had
0: fourteen hours, we'd still be going. The the we've only scratched the surface. Yeah, the, and uh, the layers. for everyone
1: who's listening, watch the movie. Uh, obviously, Beer Fest is a big one. Strange Brew, another big one. Those are mandatory. And then, of course, this is Spinal Tap and Holy Grail.
0: Monty Python, the Holy Grail. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yes, and Life of Brian there you go there you go but uh from a beer standpoint beer fest and strange brew are the pinnacle awesome
0: so (laughs) thank you guys for tuning in as you can tell we've only started to peel back the layers of the onion that is todd Isbell. so appreciate you guys listening tuning in again we are live here at the brewer's kettle here in high point uh so i appreciate you guys tuning in and cheers y'all catch you next time
1: hey have a good one everyone see you